0: On this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast, we talk about Dean Robinson and what he's been up to lately. With the prosecutor, we talk about Nat Fyfe's chances of winning the Brownlow and having rules changed. We talk about Reese Conker and whether he should have been charged with assault. And all that and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast, uh, take two, if you're wondering, but um, with me tonight I've got a star podcast crew and I've got some ring-ins that have been here before and uh, we bring you in for special occasions, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the prosecutor.
1: Oh, thanks for having me back, seems incompetence follows me.
0: (laughs) And prosecutors' return obviously means we'll be discussing the Asada situation tonight with some new developments or recent developments. There, not necessarily new ones, but recent ones. And uh, <laughs> for something different, yep. <laughs> we've also got uh, the stalwart Mike is here uh, from the Bulldogs board. Stalwart is that yeah. a new word for you in your vocabulary? Is uh, it? That's why I've got a the saurus open <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> Hi again, guys. Good to see uh, you back or happy back on the show. And the lying and thieving Seppo is here.
2: Oh, I think that's generous words when you consider the <laughs> umpiring that went on Thursday night Wookie, but I'll I'll take that and uh, welcome back.
0: Yes, yeah, so I seem to recall a very dodgy fifty being played in the in the last uh couple of minutes there that may have uh gone against us. But then again we also had a Ruckman and a midfielder that decided to go out of bounds rather than uh, anyway I could go on. There may be a recording of me somewhere abusing the life out of David Elard David in the last minute of the game, but... Uh, anyway, I may have cursed all West Australians from now till eternity. But that's beside the point. Anyway, gentlemen, what were your highlights from the weekend?
2: Uh, well, my biggest highlight was that result of Frio scraping over the line in, a, in one of those heart-wrenching uh, games ones, you don't rush out and watch the replay again, um, but it was just a highlight to watch that game, ebb and flow right the way through and um, yeah, it's just great watching Freo, first time on a Thursday night get the uh, full points against uh, your favourite team there, Wookie.
3: Well, luckily for you Seppo, you had something to be joyous about, but for me and other dog supporters, there was nothing joyous about watching uh, our team getting steamrolled by Hawthorne in the last quarter uh, down in uh, Aurora Stadium, so Not much, unfortunately, in the term of uh, dog supporters to be happy about.
1: Well, um, I had a lovely little anecdote that I said in the first take. Um, But in the interest of time, I'll give it a too-long-didn't-read version, kicked the football for the first time in about three or four years, and I had fun, so that's my little uh, positive for the football week.
0: Mm. And I think my highlight was uh, Mark Murphy's goal uh, very early in the game against uh, Fremantle, uh, obviously the game itself, not the biggest of uh, highlights for me, but still
2: a well, great goal kick from the Eagles' pocket, according to uh, Basil Zemplis. There, just like <laughs> to remind us in, in the Fremantle Geelong game or Fremantle Carlton game that there was um, a the West Coast of Eagles', Eagles, Eagles pocket thrown, thrown in. Yeah.
3: But who's who's obsessed? Yeah.
2: Wow. Well, I thought
1: we were talking highlights, not Basil Zeppelis'
2: uh, commentary. <laughs> That's true. So we'll leave that for the highlights section.
0: Well, obviously, as we said uh, in the lead-up there, just uh, with Prosecutor on, we're talking SADA, and first cab off the rank in the news tonight, we're going to talk about uh, Dean Robinson, who has apparently issued 17 subpoenas to a wide variety of AFL officials, casting a very deep net, according to uh, David Galbally. Um, Pros, what's going on here? We have what
1: 17 subpoenas issued to AFL, Leicester and staff, um, so on and so forth. Um, of course, the they've been in, um, Dean Robertson and the Essendon Football Club have been in um mediation for most of the year, and we're just getting to the stage now where the subpoenas have been issued, and surprisingly, there's no James Hur. And who else isn't? I don't think there's any Danny Corcoran as well, which is a bit surprising. But Mark Robinson makes a list. All makes for a good little soap opera, doesn't it? I
0: thought that was interesting that Mark Robinson made that list.
1: I reckon that's pretty funny, to be honest. That'd be very interesting to see what he hands over. let <laughs> you know that I see that as well. Be half, that'll be half the... Um, you want to know how David Gallaby... Is it David Gallaby?
0: David Galbali, or whatever his name is. Galbali,
1: yeah. Yep. You want to know how he'll be making his money trying to decipher what Robert's written on his notes.
0: apart from that... It it does appear that this is a fishing expedition, though, that there's no, um...
1: Aren't they all, though, when it comes to issuing subpoenas and stuff like that?
0: Well, yes, but, um... and, And none more so than the Don's, uh, request for documents far and wide covering, uh, Many officials and whatnot in their court case against the
1: Oh, that's a nice little segue into different cases.
0: It was, it was. I thought it was very well done. Thanks for pointing that out, though. You ruined the subtlety of the move.
1: Oh, just uh, for those out there who didn't uh, understand <laughs> the beauty of your hosting abilities, but anyway.
0: No, no. Learn from the Tony Barber School. Uh, <laughs> when we go to the pick of the board later on, you'll... <laughs> <So> anyway. Um, <laughs> live, uh, live on Monday... On the ABC, the opening statements of the Essendon versus Asada case.
1: Rather interesting, to be honest, that the um, the justice has decided to open that up for the media.
0: It is only the first opening statements, apparently. The rest of the case will not be televised, but apparently there's a recognition of the public interest uh, by the justice there. So, yeah, I
1: mean, I'm as a member of the public, I'm not exactly complaining, but it's still interesting that he you know, throw open just even the opening submissions to, well, the public, really.
0: Mm. And uh, James Heard's selling his house, apparently, according to the Herald Sun today. He's yeah, probably sick of him.
2: Um, um, the uh, reporter's waiting out the front of it decreased its <laughs> value. So he's probably looking at moving on and, and hopefully finding a secure location that no one knows about.
1: Mm. Well, it's actually um, not the property they're living in currently. It's um, an investment property that Tanya Heard owns. So... It's if the fact that that's made uh, banner headlines for the Herald Sun, and I think it's front page news for the uh, the Age as well, is quite astounding, really.
0: Mm. Mm. What What are your thoughts on herd uh, herd's coaching possibilities this year?
1: Uh this year or next year as well.
0: Next year, this year, any year.
1: Oh well, it's pretty simple for me because I don't want him back. Um, oh, fair enough. <laughs> so just <laughs> a catch of the chase, but um. Look, to be honest, uh, I think we've got the better coach in now. Um, I know that Hurd's a club legend, but, you know, so be. he signed up as a coach, uh, fully aware that, you know, his playing career or whatever should have no extra stead on how he performs as a coach. And I think Michael Ross's testament to that, that, you know, if you're not good enough or the board uh, doesn't deem you up to it, you shouldn't be there. So I don't think he should get any extra credit, and I mean, you know, and anything, any tickets he had in the bank from his playing career. To be honest, I think were used up when he was hired in the first place.
0: Mm. So I think
1: I think we've got a better coach. I think a man who had his level of responsibility within the club at the time as well. I just don't see how he should be able to come back and uh, you know just pick up the pieces and pretend nothing really happened, especially when um, we've got. What, 34 current and past players up on show calls notices. Mm. I, well, I, I think, just, Pro- I think if it was and... any other coach, I don't think he would be back, which, yeah.
2: Frost, the way I look at it now, I think Bomber's done such a fantastic job taking the reins over while Hurdy's been away. You just wonder that if, if you put the question, if the board put the question to him saying, do you want to go on again, would, you, would it be wise to keep Bomber on there for another couple of years or however long he wants? until you can look Look, for another replacement? It's
1: an interesting interesting, uh, question. I I had the distinct impression that Bomber would coach on, but I don't think he'd be an assistant coach under Herd again. Mm.
3: The question is, does does Bomber actually want to carry on and coach?
1: I think he does. To be honest, all the body signs I've seen this year and all his talk in the media... um, And, you know, just talking to people in general within the Essendon community, I get the distinct impression that he's rejuvenated, he's enjoying it, and that, you know, he's just enjoying his football at the moment, even as a senior coach, where at the end of Geelong, I think it's plainly obvious he wasn't. Um, And I still feel like he, he has a job. He feels like he has a job to finish with Essendon, but at the same time, I'm not sure... Everything I've heard, it's he won't work under Heard.
2: So, if he doesn't get that opportunity and Heard does come back towards the end of this year and continue on, do you reckon he'll look for other opportunities in another club rather than stay in the background under Heard?
1: Look, well, it's a distinct possibility. And I mean, it, it also comes down to what's available as well. Um, I reckon, I, I honestly reckon he'd be a fantastic fit for even North Melbourne or Richmond. And that's one of the things I'm really worried about as well is that we'll in order to get Heard back, who is more or less unproven and has no actual real credentials or sticky selling points when it comes to a coach compared to Thompson, is that, you know, we'll yeah. keep Heard on and, you know, sell Tom- – well, not sell Thompson down the route, but he signed up for the one year and, you know, whatever. But, you know, we'll let Thompson go and he'll go and turn Richmond or North Melbourne, God forbid, into a bloody good team and – you know, we'll ruin, lament it for a long time to come. That's my worst fear, to be honest.
0: All right, I don't want to dwell too much on the Assad investigation. We have refused to discuss it for a couple of weeks. Um, and there are other things to discuss, believe it or not. And uh, Seppo, Nat 5, looks like he's uh, a very heavy favourite to win the Brownlow, or he would if he was eligible for it.
2: Yeah, well, I, um, I heard this mentioned on the radio again today, and I actually took a bit of a, a different view about it. All this up until this time, I'm thinking, no, these are the rules. He's suspended. There shouldn't be any type of change of rule mid-year. Um, but it's very interesting to think someone today, I think it was Brendan Gale I heard, mentioned on the radio that we're talking about the best and fairest, yet there's a lot more scrutiny on the players these days. That cameras, There's so many more cameras around and all these incidents that are happening now. Would they be deemed you know, reportable back in the day that all these past Brownlow winners, are they being measured on the same sort of set of guidelines and scrutiny that, you know, this Fife is an accidental suspension, almost this head clash that's been brought in in, in vogue. It was rules of the week when he got done and um he's he's copped his two weeks and it was technically it was only supposed to be one but two because of the points I think he had sitting there. Um but it's just ridiculous that it's it's got towards this and I don't know if they can award retrospective medals but It'll be pretty hollow for the person, say if it's Selwood uh, or Ablut, that finishes second to five If he's a couple of votes in front and he's, um, yeah, he doesn't get the um, Brownlow. But I'm not too fussed about it. But I am. It did bring a new thought to my mind on the whole point of view that there is a lot more scrutiny on, um, you know, suspensions because there's just so much more camera and footage around these days that it makes harder for, you know, the best players to be counted fairest as well.
0: So what what I'm hearing is that. It was, you know, fair enough to obey the rules and everything for the last, you know, 60 years. But now that it's a freeo player with a shot at it, you're all, all against it. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, hey, let's remember, we've been through
3: this before. Um,
1: you don't want uh, to put dispersions on Frio supporters here.
0: Oh, no, no,
3: no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but rules are rules. And, you know, you, you can't change a rule midway through a season to make one player eligible. You have to wait until the end of the year. I'm yeah. sorry, if you're, going to re- if you're going to review the rules on, you know, what constitutes a suspension, what constitutes a report, you can't do it mid-season to make someone eligible for a Brownlow.
1: Will we be better off potentially at the end of the year sitting down and saying if a player's been suspended that they know they're no longer eligible for votes or do you prefer that we go along giving votes out to those who are clearly not in the running to win it? Well, that is well, an
2: interesting thought, but I wonder if any of the players actually include Brownlow votes in their contract, like if they hit a certain amount or lead the club in their Brownlow votes and actually get some trigger clauses. But we, um, maybe not the Brownlow, but the, I suppose it's the best and the fairest. So maybe that is one way that even the umpires, I wonder if they're subtly you know, knocking him back. Like surely Fife would pick up three Brownlow votes for his effort carrying the whole team across the line against Carlton on Thursday. So he, he should technically get three there, but if he doesn't in certain matches, you just wonder if the AFL have gone to the umpires and say, you know, just... Take a couple of five here and there. Don't let him win it in a canter. <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows? Reason... That's, that's my tin foil, tin foil hat on, but who knows?
3: You know, it's reasonable to ask, though. I mean, should the umpires be required to know who's eligible and who's not? I mean, God, it's hard enough as it is for them just triple eighty officiate a uh, a game and uh, interpret the rules properly without them having to worry about who's you know eligible for, for votes and, and who's not. And does by,
2: that by the we run that
1: would, would impact on their decision-making when they aren't giving out votes. For instance, say, you know, they can't decide who gets three or two votes and they'll go to themselves, well, so-and-so can't win, so let's just give him three votes. So It's interesting to see whether it does actually affect how they vote in the first place anyway.
2: Yeah, I'd love to be able to fly on the wall in the conversations when they're putting their votes in. But it's quite interesting seeing Fife is actually that far in front in the AFL coaches' votes. I think he's almost 12 well, or 13 difficult. points clear, I think. So Look, I can up,
3: understand. Then. I can understand the frustration from the for our supporters. We've been there with with Grant, so you know we understand that. But I guess you've got to be consistent for all, and that's what it really comes down to—a uh, consistent rules basis for eligibility. And I'll still stand by the by the uh, belief that if you're going to change the rules around that, sure, but don't—you can't do it mid-season to How... make someone eligible for Brownlow. How,
0: that's is, right. it? How is it? How is it? Fife will pick the... up his
2: Norm Smith Medal at the end of the year, so he won't need to worry about his Brownlow.
3: I think a Norm Smith Smith is better than a Brownlow. Yeah.
0: How is it that every time a discussion about changing the Brownlow voting comes up that someone brings out the big chin himself? Well, it's it's relevant to the conversation, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Really. Every time, there's always some guy from Footscray. um... We just have to remind you, that's all,
3: that it was Ian bloody Collins and his fault.
0: Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Uh, right, right, if guys on. like Greg Williams can win three Brown lows, there's no reason why Nat Five can't do it fair and above board.
1: Now this is where the topic comes interesting because I think that um, in this is Five in particular, I was at the time you know absolutely flawless suspension, and now obviously when you have the Vickery and Conquer incidents, it makes me realise that it is a shit. It's a shit suspension. Let's not. Let's not key ourselves here, but at the same time, under the current rules, it's an interpretation. It was the correct decision at the time. Now, I don't think there's necessarily a Brownlow issue here. I think it's more the you know match review panel and actually adequately uh, assigning responsibility for an incident and actually what you know it should be actually uh, what should actually receive consequences in the first place.
2: Yeah, the Brownlow is Brown a by-product of the actual floor and the whole system. It was a fast exactly. rule of the wall. Re- and that's why we kicked up a big fuss when it happened. But I suppose I wonder if they're going to include that vision of next year's Rules of the Game DVD that gets circulated out of clubs that, you know, you can't do what Fife did or are they just going to brush it under the rug going, yeah, we uh, stuff that up and let's not speak of that one again. <laughs> mm. Yeah,
1: it was just it's terrible around. And if he does win... Which is a very big possibility. It's going to be such a shame, and it's going to be. Uh, it'll, it'll be very. I don't want to say tainted for whoever does win it, but it be very. It, it's going to be an odd feeling anyway if that does eventuate. It will
2: be great if it goes to Ablett, actually because he almost deserves it. And up until his injury, he you would say that he's and he'll probably be leading the counts over five. So hopefully, if it does work out that way, um, hopefully Ablett does win it. He'll be a deserving second.
1: So it'll be interesting if um how Tom Rockliffe polls as well, given he's ineligible.
2: Mm.
3: Not sure. I haven't been keeping up on Tom's votes, but I know he has been getting a lot of uh, BOGs, so he's certainly going to be up there and poll well.
2: well. Is there any other key midfielders in the comp that could be looking, other than Rockliffe and Fife, that has, have, has had suspensions that could be right up there? Would you say Selwood and Pendlebury, they're both fine? So they'll be two or three others that will be right up there on the end end of the night, Brownbo, wise?
3: I think maybe you've got to look to the Smokies, the dark Smokies, and, and who, who might be a Smoky? I, th- I might have thought Parker at one stage, but I don't know how he's been playing recently. Or no, was it Kennedy? Parker?
1: Dyson Heppel, Essendon was, Dyson Heppel might be a Smoky. I mean, he's genuinely been our best player all year, and he's, even in losses, I mean, he's got 40-odd touches against Shillong and the like. He won't win it, but... I think oh, given that, you know, half the bloody leading fields either missed six or seven weeks or was suspended, he might actually make a decent run at it. I mean it's more realistic. I think Plugger actually mentioned Lenny Hayes before. Mm. Um, I don't know how he's actually been going, but I mean there's there seems like there's a pretty deep pool of players there, as in smokey wise. Um when it comes to who could actually be a surprise. You know, Dark Horse and Brownlow Knight, as opposed to in recent years where there's only been one or two possible players. Mm.
3: But, you know, I mean, saying that, it it could come out that um, it could be Ablett, you know, even though he hasn't played since what, round
1: 15?
2: Mm. I think think the numbers, he said he's roughly up until his injury, he's got 22 votes or something like that. So,
1: Mm. I think more or less everyone would be happy or satisfied if it was Ablett to win. I don't think there'll be any qualms with him not being the best player when he was playing and all that sort of stuff.
2: But he has missed, what, he's going to miss six games, I think, to the end. Well,
1: six more or less. But, I mean, his form was such that he was absolutely monty to win before he got injured, so... It's
3: not impossible. It, it can happen. It has happened in the past, you know, where players have been out injured through round 14, 15 of the season and actually got on to win the Brownlow. So, you know, it's not it, it's not something that happens very often, but it, it has happened before. Mm.
1: From memory in 2003 or four, James Heard ended up uh, being, oh, I think it was two or three votes off the Brownlow when he missed about seven or eight games for the year. Mm. Uh, that's the most recent memory I have of someone... You know, not actually playing a lot of games but still actually getting up
2: there. Well, even just in 2012, Fife actually had the highest of votes per game ratio because he missed a big chunk with his shoulder injury. Yep. And I think he had the biggest rate of votes for the game well, he actually played he in that, that year.
1: From memory, he got about 1.44 or something votes per game, mm-hmm. which was above Joe Watson. Yep.
0: All right, Dan, Reese Conker uh, was brought up earlier, I think, by Prosecutor. Um, he was, uh, he got two weeks for his, uh, deck, well, decking... (laughs) The cow
2: would punch almost into the back of... Well, he attacked him from behind,
0: he he tried to king hit him, so... As far as I'm concerned. Now, David Galbally today also saying that Reese Conker should have been charged with assault. Um, probably not that far, maybe attempted assault if there is such a charge. Um, how did you see the? How did you see it, Goss?
1: Well, it's an interesting question. How, or the proposition anyway, how on-field incidents get separated from real-life incidents. Um, I mean, if he was to do that on Saturday night or whatever, if he did that to Dale Gafford, would he get charged with assault? Do you
0: reckon? Yeah, absolutely. So, if he walked so, up, you know,
1: what does actually being on the football field, for instance, um you know, take away those, you know, your responsibilities as a member of society.
0: Mm, I think that's Bally's argument, is that if he walked up to a bouncer on, you know, and uh, decked him like that, or hit him the same way, he'd be uh, not in good yeah. shape. <laughs> so.
2: And it's interesting that with that classification and the point system, that it's it was technically, what, three weeks down to two, yet it, you'd say that's you know, intentional conduct, so he, he's gone over there and intentionally hit him, but... It almost, like, this type of a thing needs to be worse than intentional, like well, stupidity. So you've got not, re- negligent, reckless, intentional, and just plain stupid that yeah. deserves more than bloody three weeks down to two with good behaviour. That's it was, just ridiculous.
0: It was way off the ball. Mm. It was, like, he had, literally had to get up off the ground and run to the guy to try and hit him. I mean... Yeah. It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's absolutely intentional. Absolutely, at a spot the, the player was
2: facing him, it was to his back. That's you yeah. something you don't often see in a football field. Usually, if someone's taking a hit, it's because they're, you know, they're side on, they're looking at them so they can see it coming and protect themselves. But that's
0: just—it's un-Australian. It's that's what it is. Yeah, and yeah, uh, well, it's un—it's not even <laughs> Australian. It's in general, it's, it's just—it's un, uh, unmanly. That's what it is. Anyway. Um, but... Final... It's
1: it's interesting though. I thought the thing I loved most about it was once he's come off the ground, he's just put his arms out, saying, "You know, oh, what did I do?" It's like you're serious, buddy. You've just run off. You've come off the long run. You've done a caro in all respects. So you Easy. come up and bloody king hit a guy from behind, and you're wondering what you did wrong.
0: <laughs> all right, the la- last uh, last bit of news I want to bring up uh, before we move into the games from the weekend. Uh, the AFL has refused to run advertisements for the uh, humanitarian aid for Gaza. Adelaide Oval this weekend. A local guy wanted to uh, pay for some stuff and it never happened. What do you think?
2: I think it's glad the AFL are probably staying out of politics because I think when you're talking about the stuff that's happening in Gaza and I know it's nice with humanitarian aid and everything but um, I think it's probably safe to actually stay out of trying to push um, anything that could be deemed as political and you can see that they're probably, their stand if trying to get themselves because they could alienate some of the um, potential supporter base and I suppose that's where they're thinking about their their own back, backyard and how it's involved in that.
1: Yeah, I thought we'll probably saving it for a specialised round next year. Let's not kid ourselves.
0: <laughs> that's it. The save days,
3: around. You, you know, more first and foremost, the game's promoted as being a multicultural game regardless of who you are, where you come from, what nationality you are, what religion you are. That It's, it's a game for everyone and we certainly don't want to go down that track and uh, not that I'm saying that it's likely, but go to a track or go to that uh, place where we had soccer in the '80s, uh, which, which was just a complete sham, you know. Mind you, soccer is a lot more cleaner and better than it used to be, but you know, I think the AFL rightly so needs to keep away from that. All right. Correct me
1: if I'm wrong, Wookiee, but is um with this ad, uh, well, this what this campaign would have been? It's not necessarily for one side or the other. It's just specifically people who have been affected by the
0: yeah. It's just it's purely piece. for aid. It's not taking sides, it's not placing blame, it's just purely to send aid, I suppose. On that
1: level, I have no problem with it. If, for instance, you know, it was like a stand by the Palestinians or whatever, then, you know, that's a different matter, but if it's just aid for people who have been affected by this, then I don't don't see what the big deal is, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to move into the weekend's games very quickly. Fremantle played Carlton on Thursday night. Uh, as we have discussed briefly already. But Fremantle running out, winners by five points in this game. Seppo?
2: Well, uh, it was a a heart-stopper for me. Um, It was nerves. Edge of the couch stuff the whole game. Um, Like I said earlier with Fives, he just carried the whole team over over the line there. But I was uh, amazed at how well Carlton played. And even just watching Judd again almost wind back the clock, I suppose he's done it a couple of weeks in a row now, but... Um, sort of good um, to see them come back a bit, um, but it's just great that we actually clawed it back And on behalf of some uh, favourable ump- umpires' calls after they stuffed up a lot of the uh, calls on the first half and I thought Crowley got hardly done by with um, all these little jabs from Murphy and some players off the ball and um, I'm glad, actually, this is probably not related to the, um, the game, but um, Freo absolutely submitted some evidence with a medical report and downfield vision that I think got Nick Graham with a reprimand for his knock on Crowley. They actually put him um, on his haunches over an hour forward 50 off the ball. So it's great that the uh, they, AFL didn't look at that incident, but Freo had to go to their extra stretch to actually um, provide some evidence to finally pin someone for uh, a dirty act on uh, Crowley. Mm.
0: Mm. Dibber dobbers that's what Freo manoir. Cheats and Dibberdobbers.
2: Doing the job that the AFL should be doing. You
0: heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Frio, Cheats and dobbers who wear nappies. Uh, Friday night, Sydney played Essendon in, uh, one of the bigger games of the round, perhaps. Uh, and Sydney, unsurprisingly to most of us, took this game out by 22 points. Prosecutor.
1: Yeah, I think in the end it was a pretty mundane game all round. to be honest, uh, Good to see Tim Membury make his debut. Didn't look out of place, so good on him. Probably won't play another game for Sydney, but them the deals. But um, apart from that, it was a yeah, as I said, pretty mundane game. Essendon uh, didn't play their best footy, but in the end, it's our it's probably the last game that we went into for the year where we won't be favourites. And um, you know, to get away for twenty two point win against Sydney at the SCG, I mean, you take that every day when you've got a. Uh, Four all games coming into your last home stretch. So, you know, Mm -hmm. rebuild, work on the areas that we need to. And, uh, you know, all in all, considered, it wasn't a bad loss.
0: Okay. Adelaide played West Coast on Saturday afternoon at Adelaide Oval. West Coast uh, perhaps surprising many by getting up over the Crows. Uh, 33 points in the end. Uh, Guys, does this kill Adelaide's chances of winning the flag?
2: Well, it makes it very hard for them. <laughs> Jeez, that's... I uh... think
0: <laughs> they
1: died in round one.
3: No. But, uh, but uh, yeah, look, I, I think it was definitely a match that Adelaide did have to win. I did see the game, and, and um, they just looked nowhere in it, unfortunately. Um, it's just one of those ones, unfortunately, that they're going to come back to rue the loss.
1: They more mm-hmm. or less undid the good work they did against Collingwood last week. Uh, I mean, before the round started, you looked at you looked at the draw and you thought, okay, Adelaide should make it. But, you know, you have a game like that on the weekend against West Coast where they're fancy to win. That's probably one of the, the games you most likely to look at and say, okay, we'll more or less bank that game. to so, you know, cough that up. I mean, it's put them from being the favorites to fill that eighth position to, you know, trying to keep their head above the water now. So it's, it was a terrible loss for them and well played to West Coast as well. I certainly didn't see that coming, but, In the end, all their good players played well. Um, They showed a bit of that potential about uh, what they can be when they're up and running, which we haven't seen too much in the last year or two. And so, I mean, it was a good win all around for West Coast and uh, Adelaide will need a big last four games.
0: Okay, Saturday afternoon, late Saturday afternoon, Richmond played GWS. Uh, This game, the Tigers won by 27 points in the end, 13-11 to 8-14. Uh, it does appear that GWS may have kicked themselves out of this game, perhaps, but uh, does this put Richmond within a chance of making the eight?
1: Well, they've won five in a row. Well, you know Richmond are, what Richmond are like when they've got a bit of steam mm-hmm. behind them, mm-hmm. so there's faint hope, but, I mean, first of all, they have to get past on Friday night, and if they do that, then they are every chance, I guess.
3: Mm. Very unlikely, I think. Um, you know, the GWS win was a good win, but it was still really... One of those games where you'd think, yeah, you'd expect Richmond to win um, and anything less wouldn't wouldn't be something you would contemplate. But as for Richmond's chance of making the finals, I think that's still very, very slim. I think they'd have to rely on a number of upsets in the last uh, remaining couple of rounds for that to happen.
0: Okay, Saturday night, Gold Coast uh, played St Kilda. I don't think this was a surprise to most people. Perhaps the margin might have been, but Gold Coast getting up by 63 points, uh, almost double uh, St Kilda's 64-point score. Um, Gold Coast still in the hunt for their spot in the eight there, despite Messenger riding them off. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here, so I'm blaming him for everything. It's That's awesome. all right. No, still, yeah, they look,
3: they're still in the hunt. There's still a chance of making it. I was, I was a bit surprised with the result. I thought St Kilda would have actually done a lot better than that, but um, yeah, I guess I probably fooled myself on that one. Crow's loss eases the pressure on them a little bit. Very much so. So they're they're, they're lucky with uh, a few other results going their way this weekend to Mm. sort of ease the pressure and, um,
0: you know, give them a bit of leeway coming into the remaining four matches. Uh, Win without Applet as well, so not too bad. North Melbourne on Saturday night uh, failed to get up over Geelong. Um, Was there any whinging after the game, lads?
2: I was whinging myself watching this one. I, I sat down and, and I thought the Carlton-Freo game was badly umpired, but this took it to an ultimate low, I think, in terms of the games I've seen this year. I was, as a neutral, pulling my hair out at some of those decisions. I just, I'd be, um, yeah, pulling my hair out if I was a North supporter because they certainly didn't get the rub of the green for a while there.
0: Melbourne and Brisbane played Sunday afternoon. Uh, Brisbane. Probably not really surprising, but getting up by twenty three points over the demons. Um, this game I believe was played at Eddie Hat for some reason. Um, well we help them
1: keep their brilliant Eddie Hat record alive.
0: So uh yeah. This so, was a apparent...
1: nineteen in a row there since two thousand seven or it might even be more now.
0: This game will go down forever as the Sun in your eyes game apparently. Um,
1: Along with every other afternoon game played at Etihad Stadium, what, what, <laughs> what,
0: what,
2: there's what, nothing worse than either being at that ground or even just watching on TV as the camera struggles to focus with the ball going from in and out of the shade. Why don't they just close it? It's just it's the same
1: debate every
0: time. But is oh. is the sun in your eyes a big a big thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it it is. No, when you're at it the see. ground Eddie and Head the camera is
0: huge. Is the forget, forget TV for a minute. Is is, is is as a as a player and a spectator out the ground. Is it worth, well, as a spectator at the ground, is it worth having the roof open? No. Well, then they should shut it and weld it shut. Yeah. And definitely, as a player, you can tell, you can see they really do struggle. Ah, I don't care uh, about the roof, the their can, eyes. Players can deal with it. Players have always <laughs> had to. No, I'm serious. <laughs> players that complain about the sun in their eyes, they can deal with that shit. That's the, probably the. We've got the best ground conditions we have ever had in this competition. You go back, you watch some of the games in the 90s where the MCG was a beach and Princess Park was a mud pit in the middle and just, players are spoiled these days. You well, I think this. the big
2: issue Eddie had is the actual shadow that casts from the opening in the roof. It's more than any other ground that you actually care. get with the, the difference whining. of sun and shade. That makes it hard for the players.
0: They're winding the it's the like passenger
1: Directly north to south, isn't it? Or
2: of the other west? grounds are east to west. Yeah. It's north yeah, south. so
1: hence why it affects Eddie
0: hadmore more as well. Wasn't it designed by a member of the Essendon board? Oh, probably. I don't know. Didn't I read? <laughs> I read that somewhere during the week. I think.
2: Forgetting to put the coach's box in, um, yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Mike, the Western Bulldogs, unfortunately not able to get the job done against the Hawks. Luckily, you haven't got Messenger here to uh, overly dwell on the supremacy of the black and... while well, the brown and gold. How did you see the game, huh? Well, you saw my little response to... Uh, <laughs> to Messenger there
3: in the uh, podcast small, But, look, I thought we were OK for about a quarter and a half or two, two quarters and thereabouts, but I think... Uh, it's very hard against Hawthorne when they've got such a good team and, and so much leg speed. They uh, run over the top of us as, as most people expected. So So, um, as for Hawthorne, no, not not surprised at all that they won. As for us, I'm probably a little bit disappointed that we didn't do better. Um, so I guess it's just one of those things where we have to uh, hopefully win a few, la- a few more games before the year's out. Otherwise, I think McCartney could be in a bit of trouble.
0: All right. Last game for the round was Collingwood and Port Adelaide at, uh, well, the MCG in the afternoon there. Uh, Collingwood getting up by six points over Port Adelaide in a close one. Um, Has this reinvigorated the Pies? No, they're still putrid.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It it saved them, not um, reinvigorated them because they were really, if they'd lost that, you could really say that they were out of the race for the eight, but it's really just kept their hopes alive, not actually... um, Caused them to get back because they, they really just limped over the line. Well, not limped over the line against Port, but Port are struggling, so it wasn't a convincing win from Collingwood.
0: Okay, to there's the... a lot of Essendon
1: 2013, 2012, and so on, and so forth with Port Adelaide this year.
0: It's a uh, there is they just faded a month. They just faded a month later than uh, Essendon would have in years past. Um. To the ladder, and Hawthorne are on top, equal with the Swans, but uh, the Swans have 3% on them. They've got Melbourne this week, Hawthorne. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Geelong coming in uh, third and equal with the top two, but again, percentage way behind, uh, 25% behind, actually. So they're not going to catch first and second anytime soon unless uh, they drop out. Fremantle outright fourth. A game behind the top three, uh, Port Adelaide in fifth. The game again behind Fremantle, North Melbourne and Essendon and Collingwood and the Gold Coast all on ten wins apiece. There is a bit of a logjam between sixth and ninth, um, and that's going to be fascinating in the next couple of weeks to see how that goes. Uh, the Crows coming in at uh, ninth with the Eagles. Ah, sorry, the Crows coming in at 10th on 9 wins with uh, the Eagles, Carlton, and... Oh, sorry, the Eagles and Richmond on 8 wins. Bit of uh, wishful thinking there for me, old Wookie. Uh, Carlton and the Bulldogs on 6 wins apiece with Brisbane. And bringing up the rear, GWS, Melbourne and St Kilda. There was an article in the... uh, In the... uh, AFL.com.au, I think, basically saying that uh, it's one of the closest seasons in terms of sections of the ladder where a lot of it is going to come down to percentage at the end of the year where teams are going to finish. The top three, you know, on the level, the bottom three are level. There's, you know, the middle teams are level. It's, It's a bizarre season. I think
1: it's a testament, though, to just how even this competition is now. I mean... We've had GWS knock off Sydney. We've had St Kilda knock off Rio. Uh, there's just there's no giving wins anymore. It's, it's genuinely tough. Each you know each uh, week, if your opponent has you know, one of their days, then they can get up. It doesn't matter if you're Sydney. It doesn't matter if you're St Kilda. It just it, it's a great to watch, to be honest, because you know you rock up to every game and you don't know what will happen.
0: And, and it is good to see the bottom teams level. Like they're even. Evenly distributing the wins and the losses, and just I think um, it was always going to be that way. Once GWS started to develop, Melbourne improved under a different coach. Even the Lions improved a little bit, I think. So the wins at the top aren't as high as perhaps they might have been in re, you know in other years where there was like twenty wins in the season at the top. Mm. Carlton are like
2: doing their fair share to to stick amongst those lowly teams like Bulldogs and Lions. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's great actually the way they've done that fixture with that top grouping of six the middle six and the bottom six that next year you'll actually get that bottom six getting those return leg games against each other so you'll get more your know, lines and bulldogs carlton gws playing each other i think it's a great way they've done that fixture and it's actually leveled it out a bit more
3: mm. yeah gee more twilight games just what everyone wants to see <laughs>
2: not necessarily the actual <sighs> time but the way that you get the the double up games i think it's it's Yep. A lot better. Someone's going to cop it, as long as they don't keep on putting uh, people in the Sunday night times.
0: Leading Oops. goal kickers for the season to date, Jay Schultz leading with uh, 53, Tom Hawkins on 51, Jared Ruffhead with 50, Lance Franklin with uh, 50 as well, Luke Brewst uh, with 46, Hawthorne have three of the top 10 goal kickers in the competition, so obviously not missing Lance Franklin. Um. So good for them, and uh, Seppo, Hayden Ballantyne coming in at number 10 there. No joy for you or I there, Mike, in the top 10? No, unfortunately, and probably not going to be for a little while. But uh, Jack McCrae coming in at number 7 for Disposals, and uh, so take some small comfort there. Josh Kennedy, uh, the league leader for Disposals, Matt Prittis, uh Scott Pendlebury, Nathan Jones... And Dyson Heppel making up the top five there. Dion Prestia having a good year for the Suns. And as I said, Jack McRae uh, leading out. Uh, Gary Ablett, Trent and Brandon Ellis. So, uh, fascinating stuff. There you go. At the end of round 19. And uh, we plunge straight into round 20 before we uh, wrap up tonight. And uh, Richmond have got Essendon Friday night in the return game for them. Uh, this is at the MCG, guys. Should be a ripper. You'd hope so.
3: Yeah, look, given Richmond's form over the last two months, it should be should be a really good, cracking game. I'm still going to go with Essendon for this one. Um, I don't know why, but I'm just going to tip Essendon.
0: Yep.
1: I uh, say more or less if Essendon win on the weekend, um, you can we've well, got one foot inside the eight.
2: Yep. You don't see Essendon losing any more games for the rest of the year once they pick this one up, and I think that really puts a, a fork in Richmond. I, I'd love to see it happen on Friday night, just in front of everyone. Season A, there's that mathematical chance gone, I think.
1: Well, after this week, we've got um, West Coast and the Gold Coast consecutively consecutively at Etihad Stadium before finishing with Carlton. So I'd say, you know, I'd be pretty confident of winning at least two of those. So, we'll I see. mean, that should keep us in the eight.
0: We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. GWS, we've got North Melbourne on Saturday afternoon at Spotless Stadium, I believe. Uh, at Spotless Oval, at in Sydney, can North Melbourne throw another game away?
2: We can only hope. Well, if a side gonna lose to GWS, it's North Melbourne the side we'll to do it. So, oh, I might tip GWS in a little bit of an upset. Put me down for three points. GWS win.
0: <laughs> It'll be fun to see uh, what Chris Scott's face explode. That'd be awesome. Mm. Uh, Carlton, have got Gold Coast at Etihad Stadium. Uh, this is Saturday afternoon, two ten. Is a good tip. game. A two ten game.
1: Mm. Oh so, no, deceptively good. Hmm.
0: I think uh, Carlton will get this one, but uh, you know, I'm biased. So,
2: I think with our I'll tip Carlton. Just, but if Ablett was there, I'd have to go in favour of Gold Coast, so it's mm. amazing what one player can uh, change your tipping, but I'm going to go Calton this one.
0: Seppo, Hawthorne versus Melbourne on uh, Saturday afternoon will be the keep your... Uh, keep Revert your, your eyes, kids, Keep your kids R at home, rated, uh, as best you would say. R rating, whatnot. <laughs> um, Port, uh, Port v Sydney at Adelaide Oval on Saturday night uh, will be an interesting game, if not... Well, it won't be game of the round. That'll go to Geelong Fremantle. but uh...
2: Certainly, if Port get up, that could really uh, shape up the um top four. It, it keeps Port closer, and it'll actually bring Sydney down to the pack because if, well, technically, I think Sydney should just go on and just win every game from here on. But if, if Port do take this game away, it's going to make that top four um, not only minor premiers, but actually if Port can finish in the top four, quite interesting
0: if they lose, it brings up the bottom four of the eight as well. Um, yeah. it, it puts them right back in the pack. So they'd want to win this to keep in touch, but if they lose, they're going to be right back with uh, the guys playing in the elimination finals. So you don't really want well,
2: Port that. Did, Port did beat Sydney this time last year. I think they had a similar thing where Port played Collingwood, they beat them, and then they played Sydney and beat them two games at a row roughly this same time last year. So... Interesting little repeat of the fixture. So, hopefully, Port can do us a favour and take out Sydney. Mm,
0: Seppo, Geelong have got Fremantle at Skilled Stadium uh, on Saturday night. Uh, we don't need to be reminded of the last time these two teams played at Skilled Stadium uh, to know that Fremantle have won there uh, mm, what a before, fantastic! But, and um, you
2: want to hear a great stat about our Geelong-Fremantle rivalry. Michael Barlow has not lost yet to Geelong. He has played five games against them and won every single one. So when he's been missing, we've lost against the Cats over the last... Well, since 2010. So in this uh, short period of time, he is having a con- great continuous run. So hopefully he's playing this Saturday night and hopefully we get the job done.
0: OK. Mike, Brisbane Lions have got Adelaide at the Gabba.
3: Yeah, look, I actually Sunday. see
0: Adelaide win this one.
3: Um, even though they... Didn't do so well against West Coast. I think they're going to be uh, in a real spot of bother if they don't. And I think they know this now. Um, so I'm going to tip Adelaide probably by about three to four goals.
0: Mm. And while we've still got you, Mike, St Kilda, we've got the Bulldogs on that Sunday afternoon.
3: I'm going to tip the Bulldogs for this one um, purely because obviously our team's are, our team is a little bit better stage than St Kilda is. We've got a few better players than them. Um, obviously, you know, we're a lot deeper in the rebuild than they are. And uh, should hopefully have Jones coming back this week. Uh, it would be good to see Jones come back. Um, but, yeah, I think the Dogs by about uh, four to five goals.
0: Prosecutor, we've got West, uh, West Coast playing Collingwood uh, Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, another interesting game for Collingwood uh, to see. well, More or less, I think they have to win this if they want to make the eight or to be very sure of their spot anyway. Especially with their, they've got Hawthorne in the last round and Collingwood dropping two games really would put them on the brink, so it's a must-win for them, and if they don't win it, I'd more or less put a line for them for the rest of the season. And West Coast are in some good form, so it would be interesting to see if they can continue on with that. I'd go West Coast myself by about three or four goals.
0: All righty. Before we wrap up, guys, what are, you, what are you expecting to see on the weekend? What are you looking forward to the most?
2: Well, I'm looking forward to the um, Crowley tag against Johnson. I think Ross Lyon's come out today and said that he's going to go to him, so I just can't wait for the um the MRP findings on Monday for <laughs> the fallout for this event. You know that there's something gonna happen. If not, it's gonna be retaliation. There's gonna be I think the um fifties and free kick count's gonna be higher than the scoreboard, so they'll be um putting on some extra statistics down at Champion Data for this game. It's gonna be um, a fantastic one to watch if you're a, a neutral.
0: <laughs> yep, Mike.
3: Look, I was gonna say again, the uh... The Crowley Johnson tag will obviously be on everyone's uh, agenda to watch that game this week and see how that ends up. Sydney, um, uh, the, the uh, essendon sorry, Richmond game, I think, would be an interesting one to watch too. Um, I think they're the, both teams obviously still going to be, uh, especially Richmond, still going to be hopeful that they've got a spot in the eight, and Essendon will uh, be uh, playing, uh, I think, a, a decent brand of football to uh, cement their spot in the eight.
0: And uh, Prosecutor.
1: Yeah, more or less, I'm looking forward to trying to make it home alive from the MCG Friday night. (laughs) Uh, Either, you know, Richmond get their team up and they go to six games in a row and their supporters are unbearable, or, you know, their finals are over for another season for Richmond and, again, the supporters become unbearable and the cycle of hope uh, starts from the bottom again.
0: (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing Carlton play uh, Gold Coast. Gold Coast still playing for their spot in the finals. Um, they've got one at the moment, but they they need to keep winning, so this is a must-win game for them. It is a winnable game for them, probably, um, but Carlton are playing some good footy at the moment as well, so we'll see how it goes. Um, prosecutor, you're going down to Royal Park this weekend?
1: Uh, we do have our little international competition beginning, don't we, on yes. Sunday?
0: The International Cup begins Actually, begins on Saturday uh, with Saturday. a Parade of Nations. And various other things as the AFL rips off various uh, international games. But uh, on Sunday, the, ga- the the matches actually begin. And so the ca- our Canadian uh, friends will be playing at 10.30 in the morning at Royal Park. And they've got some games there. In fact, you can see the first and seconds of the Canadians play uh, one after the other on Sunday. So... I won't yeah, be getting down I'll go
1: there. i will um, try and make an appearance at some point. Uh, obviously, Renee was one of the best stories of 2013. And, and amidst all the, uh, I mean, when we had her on the podcast, Wookiee, we said to her, having her there and talking to her and, I mean, celebrating her story <laughs> as well it was one of the more positive stories we had in 2013. It was possibly the week. Um, drugs uh, with the Asada stuff happening. There. Was- so it'd be terrific to get around there and see some people just enjoy their football and, uh, you know, just embracing what's all fun and good about the game.
2: I think it's ser- so I'll certainly be heading down there on Sunday as well. And if it wasn't for that thread on Big Footy, I don't think I would be giving two hoots about this international competition. But the fact that Big Footy's almost aligned itself to Canada, I'm going to be getting down there and showing my support on Sunday. So I'm going to make sure I can uh, get along and see at least one of these games.
0: I think it's hilarious that they put on more jumpers like for sale just on a on the basis of interest from Big Footy. <laughs> well, that's what. That's the because they were supposed to have a deadline of a couple of weeks ago, and they've extended it solely due to uh, interest from Bigfooty. So, big on the Canadians uh, this year. We may have to find another team to support next time it comes around. But uh, it's it is good to see the interest, um, and good to see some of their work paying off for them. In any case, that's all we've got for tonight, guys. Unless you have anything else you want to add before we sign off.
1: Oh, I haven't been on since um, Carlton hired Stephen Trigg, so I just want to say kudos to Adelaide for finally ridding themselves on him and uh, commiserations to Carlton on the years or potentially only months to come.
0: <laughs> we, we may have actually discussed this uh, last week or the week before or whenever it happened. I can't remember what you, what rant I did that time. but uh... And
1: to make a topical reference, um, I look forward to getting a defamation threat from uh, Stephen Trigg on my text messages. anytime. <laughs>
0: <sighs> all right anyone else final thoughts no all right well it's good night from me i've been the wookiee and i'll say good night to mike thanks for coming on again Matt. thanks guys good to talk to you guys again and good night to seppo
2: uh good night and i hope you guys all survived the weekend I
0: even remembered his name this week and good night to prosecutor thanks for coming on
1: cheers guys always a pleasure
0: and uh that'll be all from us tonight Uh, make sure you get down to see the Canadians on the weekend. We'll see you all on the forums.